Hi, my name is Carly and welcome to Arise's Sermon of the Week. We hope that you experience God as you listen to this message and that you find practical ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus within your community. So let's open up our spiritual ears as we listen to this message. Hey, good morning, Risers. How's everybody doing? Welcome, welcome. Hey, if you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God together today. also want to celebrate, we had seven people make decisions for Christ last week. Isn't that awesome? I love this time of year where it becomes a very natural step to reflect on who Christ is and the nativity and the birth of Jesus, and beautiful thing last week. Hey, uh, also, uh, today is uh, Leadership Sunday. So about four years ago, we started the last Sunday of every year uh, doing a little bit of a different type of message. And so uh, if, you're, if you want me to be, you know, T.D. Jakes wannabe or Stephen Furtick or whatever, that's not today. Uh, today, I'm going to be the John Maxwell wannabe, okay? And uh, uh, so we started about four years ago doing a leadership talk that kind of leads into the State of the Church Address, which is next week, which is the most important Sunday of the year to be here. So make sure you're here next Sunday as we do the State of, State of the Church Address. Uh, but we do this leadership talk, and, and certainly it's biblically founded, you'll see in just a second, but it also is a vision casting for where we're going a little bit, even leading into the big vision casting, which is next week. So does that make sense? Are you with me? So it's just different than usual. And today I want to talk about the power of habits for a few moments. The, the power of habits. Now, recently there's been all kinds of research and data and material uh, brought forth on the power of habits because these little tiny things are incredibly powerful. Now, your mind runs on habits, whether you've ever thought about it or realized it or not. Your mind runs on habits because your mind loves to conserve energy. Uh, some people would say your mind is lazy. I don't think I would say it quite that much or quite that far. Uh, but it's kind of like the dad that always runs through the house or mom, uh, turning off the lights behind everybody else, shutting all the doors, turning the AC down. Come on. Anybody grow up with those parents or you are that parent now? Yeah. Um, uh, your mind is like that. It wants to do whatever it can to conserve energy. And whenever you have a routine that gets turned into a habit, you don't have to think about it. And so your mind is conserving energy. Um, and that happens throughout life, all kinds of things that, that you used to have to think about, like walking or, you know, things like that, eating. You used to have to think about it. Now you don't have to think about it. Now it's just a habit. Probably the greatest example of a habit like this is driving your car. Just think of all the many things you have to do to be able to drive your car, right? You're steering the car, you're paying attention to gas and how fast you're going. You have gas pedal and brake pedal. If you have a clutch and a stick, you have even more going on. And so you have all these different things going on in your mind at the same time, yet for almost all of us in this room, if not every one of us, it is completely a habit now, and you don't even think about what you're doing. Process that for a second. You have a 4,000-pound automobile that could kill somebody or kill yourself that you're not even thinking about how you drive it anymore. You just simply drive. Have you ever been, like, like you ever gotten home maybe from work or something, and you got home and you realized, I don't remember how I even got here? Anybody, you admit to that? Like, like, I remember the first time that happened, I was like a teenager or something, and, and I was driving, and I remember thinking, I don't remember turning at that, I know I turned back there, 
I know there's a stop sign. I know I must have stopped, but I don't remember any of it. Think about that. Your mind is so sophisticated that it can conserve energy by making something as complicated as driving a car completely a routine and completely a habit simply to uh, uh, conserve energy. Uh, now, you also get broken out of those habits sometimes, right? Uh, you ever been like in, a, in, 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 a, in that spot in your car and you're driving and all of a sudden the car in front of you slams on brakes and then you slam on brakes and suddenly you're very cognitive of what's going on around you, right? All right, if that doesn't touch you, gentlemen, you've all had this happen if you're married or if you have a significant other with you or whatever. Like, like they gasp in the car. Like you're driving and all of a sudden, <gasps> I hate that. I just, I'm just being honest. And all of a sudden, I'm fine. I'm driving along. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, I ate a gas. I'm like, what, 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 what? Because I thought like, you know, I'm like, I'm running over baby kittens or something. Like, what's going on? And then she's thinking like, oh, I forgot to turn the milk, you know, whatever. I'm like, it has nothing to do with me driving. And, uh. It drives me crazy. Most men, if you know what I'm talking about. What happens right there is you get broken out of the habit, out of the routine of driving, and suddenly you become more cognizant of what's going on. And so it's almost like waking you up in, in some regards. So our brains love habits. Our brains love habits. Habits are small things that make an incredibly big difference. Small things that make an incredibly big difference. In fact, in the pop culture of habits right now and all the leadership teaching on habits, uh, one of the pop culture books that's out right now that's really popular is a book called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits uh, takes that name Atomic Habits because habits are both atomic in the fact that they're very, very small things. They're little tiny things. They're not big. They're subatomic things, so to speak. But they also have an atomic difference, like think atomic bomb, like they make a big difference. So they're little things that make an incredibly large difference. And they have this incredible power for good or bad. Um, and they're incredibly powerful to your success, which is why this message is exceptionally important this morning as you step into 2021. Because your success in life, a whole lot of it has to do with the habits that you form or this other word, which is almost the exact same thing as habits, your disciplines. The disciplines that you form eventually form you. They make you become disciplines. This might hurt some people's feelings or it might be a little hard. If you show me your spiritual disciplines, I can show you how strong you are spiritually. Some of us put on a facade of being very spiritual, but we don't have any spiritual disciplines. And when push comes to shove, we find out we're not nearly as spiritual as we think we are because it's more of a facade that's hiding the fact we have no backbone of spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits going on inside of our lives. And, and these habits are incredibly powerful. Like I say, they have a, they have a compounding effect. Right. Uh, it's kind of like compounding interest for you guys who work in economics or understand that uh, compounding interest idea. It, it, it's a little thing that over the course of time becomes a really big thing. It gets it grows tremendously. Um, think about like if, if you jog for 20 minutes this afternoon, but you don't jog again for the next month. That is not very helpful. But if you jog for 20 minutes every day over the next month, you will find that there's actually a tremendous amount of good that happens and even beyond that, right? If you eat that one piece of pizza um, extra uh, one day, it really doesn't affect you at all or very little. But if you eat that one piece of pizza every day extra, it starts affecting you a lot in the long run, right? You smoke that cigarette one time or, you know, for one day or, or even one week, 
It doesn't have the effects. You do it over the course of a long period of time, all of a sudden now we're talking about all the lung cancers and all the problems, uh, emphysema and all the different problems that come along with smoking. It's, it's this compounding effect that these little tiny habits have on the big picture. And that makes habits extremely powerful. So in the book, Atomic Habits, James Clear says it this way. He says, habits are like the atoms of our lives. Each one is a fundamental unit that contributes to your overall improvement. That's what habits are. They're these little things that start affecting your overall improvement and everything in the big picture. He tells a great story as an example. He said, if you're flying from Los, Los Angeles to New York City, he said, and the pilot just moves the nose of the plane 3.5 degrees, which is literally just a couple feet as you fly from L.A. to New York City, you will eventually actually land in Washington, D.C. Quite a while, quite a ways from New York City. Why? Because you're just barely moving the nose, but you're doing it over the long run. That's what habits do. That's what disciplines do. And our disciplines oftentimes end up determining our success. Any, any successful person you find in life, you will virtually always find these disciplines behind the scenes, things that you never see, the work ethics, the, the, the insatiable reading appetites, the learning appetites that these different people have behind the scenes. You will almost always find that. So, so our disciplines often determine our success. So let me ask you this question. Are you a disciplined person? I mean, just, just raise your hand if you think you're a disciplined person. Okay. Raise your hand if you think you're not a disciplined person. Raise your hand if you will never raise your hand no matter what I say. I get some of you every time with that. I got you. You see what I did there? You just raise your hand. Um, here's what I want to say. Every one of us, with, with all due respect, every one of us is disciplined. We just might not have the right disciplines. I am disciplined to hit the snooze on my alarm multiple times every morning. It's a routine, it's a habit of mine, it's what I do. I'm disciplined to play video games. I'm dif disciplined to, to never miss a meal if I can help it, right? So I have disciplines, I might not have the right disciplines. So the question isn't if you have disciplines, the question is do you have the right disciplines? We need the right discipline. So we are all disciplined, it's just a matter of which ones that we have. And I wanna say that we are perfectly disciplined to get the results that we're getting. So however life is treating you, however, wherever you are at in life, you are perfectly disciplined to get those results that you are receiving. That's why you're receiving those, those results. That's what your habits do. That's what those disciplines form you to do. In fact, John Maxwell, the great leadership author, he says it this way. He says, see what a person is doing day after day or, or every day, day after day, and you'll know who that person is and what he or she is becoming. All right. So it's those little things repeated over time that make this incredible difference. And like I said before, you almost always see this with successful people. If you could see behind the scenes of successful people, you see that they are very disciplined. Uh, you know, Tom Brady is obviously, you know, the, the greatest quarterback of all time who happens to be a Buccaneer right now and happened to throw four touchdown passes and 300 and something yards in the first half yesterday against the hapless lie-downs, as Pastor Ken calls them, because he's a fan who has to wear a bag over his head most of the time. And, and I love when you see quotes from Tom Brady, even about that game in the ridiculous first half that he had. He, he's not satisfied. 
He's not done. He's still going back and learning and going, I could have done better. I could have done better. I could have done better. Why? Because behind the scenes of this person who has such a great performance on the field, there is this insatiable work ethic behind the scene, this insatiable willingness to watch film and study and practice and push himself and push himself. And that's what's made him success, successful. But you and I never see that side. In fact, uh, John Maxwell also says it this way. Champions don't become champions in the ring. They are merely recognized there. If you want to see where someone develops into a champion, look into their daily routines. Okay? Here's the thing, and this is why it matters. We form the habits that form us. You and I, we form the habits that end up forming us in the end. Now, a habit is created by these things. It's a cue. That's the thing that starts the habit. It's the thing that motivates you to do whatever it is that you do, whether it's you know, drinking or biting your fingernails or whether it's reading your Bible. The cue starts that habit. Then you have the routine. That's the actual habit, followed by a reward of some sort on the other side. Most of us, when we go into a new year, we start making New Year's resolutions. And we make these big, grand, phenomenal New Year's resolutions of how we are going to lose 100 pounds and how we're going to you know, start jogging 10 miles every day and whatever. And we make these really big, grand New Year's resolutions. But we don't follow through with them because we're more interested in willpower. We start them and try to apply them through willpower instead of through creating small habits instead. Willpower, uh, say it this way, uh, habits eat willpower for breakfast. I think it was Peter Drucker that originally said that habits eat willpower for breakfast. So you can start into the new year and you'll do good for the first five days, seven days, eight days if you're really good. But willpower is like a muscle and it will eventually run out. And so you almost never actually start a new habit by willpower. You start a new habit by doing something very small to, 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 and keep doing it over and over and over. Are you with me? So we can form these habits and most of us fail miserably every time we make a new year's resolution because of that. So if we want to think big, we have to start small. If we want to think big, we have to start small. If you want to see 2021 be the most successful year you've ever had, you're going to have to think in terms of small habits to get you there, not big grand things. That's what you've been doing in the past, and it probably hasn't worked out all that well. So if you want to think big, start small. And what happens is these disciplines or habits become our mold. They actually mold us into some type of image, some type of form, uh, whether that be the habit of, of hitting the snooze button and it molds you into somebody who sleeps too late, whether that be the habit of watching TV at night, and so it's a habit that keeps you up late and you're not reading or something that might be more productive at night, but it shapes you into a mold. Now, this is a uh, star mold, if I'm holding it correctly a star mold that you could put chocolate in or something like that. And, and everybody kind of knows the idea, right? You put the, you put the warm chocolate in this and then you let it, let it you know, get cool and it hardens. And all of a sudden it takes on the shape of the mold. That's what habits and disciplines do. The habits of your life harden you into the mold of that discipline or that habit. Uh, another example would be when you put in concrete, right? You put two by fours around it or something like that. Uh, and then you put in the soft concrete, the watery heart, uh, concrete. It goes in and then it hardens and it, and it hardens to that mold. Once it hardens to that mold, it's incredibly hard to break. Anybody ever try to break a bad habit? Yeah, that's incredibly hard to break. So it's not always the best thing to break a bad habit. You create a new habit in its place. And so you have the same cue, you change the routine, which is the habit, instead of trying just to break the habit, create a new habit that creates a new pathway, neural pathway in your mind. And so you're creating a new habit. 
Now, there are all kinds of ungodly habits out there uh, that want to form you into the image of this world. It wants to shape you into what this world thinks should be there. The greed, the lust, the idolatry of our world. There's all kinds of habits that are natural in our world. Then there's all kinds of godly disciplines, spiritual disciplines, godly habits that want to shape you into the image of Christ. Now, in the Bible, maybe the group that had the most difficulty or biggest temptation to be formed into the image of their society was the church inside of Rome. Uh, the church in Rome, uh, I mean, Rome itself was just an incredible, elaborate city. You know, you had the Colosseum and you had the labyrinth and you had uh, all these incredible buildings and all of the culture of Rome and, and, and everything that was there. And, and it drastically wanted to take the church and shape it into its image rather than the church being shaped into the image of Christ. And so when Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 on this subject. And he says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers... In, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now listen to verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to, do not let this world form you into its image based on its ideas of the habits and disciplines you should have. I know the American society says you should have a discipline that says it's perfectly fine to binge watch Netflix in an entire day and waste the entire day, right? That's normal in our society. He's saying, listen, don't let society tell you what's normal. I know it's normal in society to, to you know, have sex outside of wedlock. I know it's normal in society to even have affairs and different things like that. I know it's normal in society to lie if it helps you get a leg up. But do not be conformed to the norms, the habits, the, the ideas of society, the disciplines of our society, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, there is a difference different way that your mind can be formed into a different image. You can renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have to be people as Christians who are not transformed by the world in their habits and their disciplines, but rather our mind is transformed by God through his disciplines in his habits. Are you all with me? <clears throat> and Every good pastor should say this every once in a while, so I'm just going to say it right here. I said all that to say this, <laughs> right? I said all that to say this. In 2021, we are going to help you form spiritual disciplines. As we step out of 2020 into 2021, we're going to do our best to help you form spiritual disciplines in your life. Um, and I believe these disciplines are going to be incredibly practical, but incredibly powerful to form us into the image of Christ and not just the image of this world that's very natural for us to fall into. So practically speaking, what does that mean? Over the next 12 months, starting in January, uh, we're going to focus on a different discipline every single month. And so um, uh, January will be scripture reading. February will we'll be fasting. March will be stewardship. Uh, April will be worship. May will be fellowship and community. Uh, June will be meditation and contemplation. July will be prayer. Uh, August is evangelism. Uh, September is silence and solitude. Anybody want to get rid of Facebook and social media for a month? Come on, y'all. October will be submission and obedience. Everybody's favorite. We all love that one. November will be gratitude and December will be serving. And so what we're doing over the course of the next year as we step into 2021 is every month having a different spiritual discipline that we will be uh, 
focused on and walking through together as a body of Christ. Our church walking through this to say this month, this is the discipline that we are going to focus on. This is the discipline that we're all going to do together as we learn these new spiritual disciplines. Now, uh, we are starting come January, something that you may have seen before. We're not the only church to do it, but something called First Wednesday. First Wednesday means on the first Wednesday of the month, we will have one service in here with everybody together except the the littles right now, the Rise Kids Junior. Uh, And maybe Rise Kids may come out at some point too, but... Uh, on that first Wednesday, uh, we will have worship. We're going to have baptisms on the first Wednesday, every, every Wednesday, every first Wednesday. Uh, we will have uh, uh, testimonies from the previous month, uh, have people coming up and sharing some of their testimonies, worship, obviously, during all that. And then we will have a message based on whatever that spiritual discipline is for the month. And so a, a full teaching on that discipline that we are all walking through together, how we're going to walk through it together and all of that. You'll also hear the last message of the month, which this happens to be in this case, uh, you'll also hear about it coming up as we prepare everybody for that spiritual discipline. And so um, that is a whole new thing that's going to be starting uh, next year in our church. Um, Now, within leadership theory, within uh, habit theory, uh, there's something that's referred to as keystone habits. Uh, Charles Duhigg wrote about this in The Power of Habit, a great little book if you ever want to read it, Uh, The Power of Habit, and he talked about keystone habits. Keystone habits are one habit that creates a domino effect and affects everything else. A keystone habit starts a chain reaction. It sends ripple effects throughout your life and affects many other habits that you may have. Uh, in the book, uh, The Power of Habit, he talks about keystone habits, and he, and he talks about it from the perspective of a, Lisa, of a woman by the name of Lisa Allen. Lisa Allen was 34 years old. Uh, she was uh, a chain smoker. She was overweight. She was deeply in debt. Uh, her life was unraveling and falling apart in front of her. Uh, in fact, her husband had just left her for a younger woman, and she was just in shambles and uh, honestly suicidal. And she thought, I just need to get away. So she took the little bit of credit she had left, got with a friend and said, I've always wanted to see the pyramids. I'm leaving and I'm going to go see the pyramids. So she leaves the United States, goes on vacation uh, to Cairo, to Egypt. Uh, While she's there in Egypt, early in the morning, uh, she wakes up and uh, before the sun had come up and and blah, blah, blah with jet lag, she reaches over to take a cigarette, to light a cigarette. She grabs it, pulls it over, starts to light the end of it, and then smells burning plastic, only to realize she's not lighting a cigarette. She's actually lighting the pen that was on the table beside the bed. Now, that's a little bit of a comical thing, but to her, that was the absolute bottom moment. I can't do anything right. I can't live right. I can't keep my marriage together. I can't keep anything right. I'm so jacked up. I'm so messed up. I can't even smoke a cigarette right. And so she's lighting a pen. And it's at that moment, she says, I've got to make changes in my life. And I'm going to come back here in a year. She had just read this thing about trekking through the the desert by the pyramids. She said, I'm going to come back here in a year and I'm going to do this trek through the desert. If she's going to do that trek through the desert, it meant she had to get in a little bit better shape. It meant she had to start jogging. This one little moment of saying, I have to start jogging, started a keystone effect. So she has to, <coughs> excuse me. She has to start jogging. So as she starts to prepare to jog, she also can't smoke. So every time she would smoke or every time she'd be tempted to smoke, she said, I'm going to go for a quick run anyway, instead. 
So she starts jogging, stops smoking because it's hard to smoke when you're jogging. When she starts jogging, she starts feeling a little bit better about herself, decides I can take this a step further. She starts eating healthier. And now she starts eating healthier. She starts feeling better about herself altogether. She starts losing weight. By the time the story is told, she had lost 60 pounds just by jogging and eating healthier, starts going to the gym, all those things like that. But now she's feeling better about herself. Now she's uh, uh, um, in better shape. Now she actually starts uh, to go back to college because she's feeling better about herself. Goes back to college, earns a degree. With that degree, she gets a better job. With that degree and that job, she actually gets out of debt. Now her whole life has been turned around and it started with one habit that said, I'm going to run. I'm going to jog. Whenever I'm tempted to smoke, I'm going to jog instead. And it had this compounding effect it had this domino effect that one habit changed everything else. Are you all with me? So, so keystone habits are incredibly powerful. In our church, we have a keystone habit that we talk about in here every once in a while. That keystone habit is pain or problems equal? Prayer. Hey, some of you still remember. Pain or problems equal? We believe that if we can teach our people, if we can learn all of us, that whenever we hear pain or problems, we immediately pray if we believe that if we can, we can do that, it'll start affecting everything else in our life. So you're at work, you hear something, you know, negative, child's acting crazy, or somebody has a financial problem, you pray, you pray. And immediately we start praying. And if we can do that, we believe it has a tremendous power. So the cue is pain or problems. The routine is prayer, that's the habit. And then the reward is, have you ever prayed for somebody? You always feel good about it afterwards. God just used you, whether something miraculous happened or not. And that becomes a reward on the other side of it. And so pain or problems equal prayer. That's kind of our church-wide habit. We probably need to talk about it more. We will in the next year, but we've been doing that for years at Arise. But let me ask you this question. What if there was one keystone habit to your spiritual walk that could bring you closer to Christ? What if there were one keystone habit to enhance your spiritual walk? Would you want to know it? I'm glad like five of you do it. Y'all with me this morning? I know y'all want me to preach and shout and holler and, you know, spit and all that. But, but I'm telling you, if you get this this morning, there's some power to it. What if there was one keystone habit that would enhance your entire spiritual walk? Would you want to know it? Okay. I got good news for you. There is. Uh, a number of years ago, a, a big happening church up in Chicago by the name of Willow Creek uh, started a study on their church. They called it the Reveal Study. The Reveal Study became pretty famous or infamous almost in the church circles because Willow Creek was a happening church. They're the church that other churches wanted to be like. They're a huge church, famous pastor, Bill Hybels, great leadership guy, and a uh, huge church. They were doing innovative things long before anybody else was. Uh, they were one of the leaders in small groups and things like that. Uh, they, they were doing like um, all kinds of benevolence things for their community. Uh, they were doing uh, uh, free oil changes for single moms and stuff before any other churches were doing those things. And really leading the way in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were like a happening church. And they started to study their church people and say, how spiritually grounded are they? How spiritually mature are our, are our church people? And so they started this study. Little did they know they would be very disappointed with what they found. Because they found that while their church was huge and while their church had really good small group attendance and great volunteerism and, and, and were doing all kinds of good inside the community, what they found is that the majority of their people were actually very immature. Well, that sent them on this further study to say, how do you create a mature believer? 
What is like the one thing that might create a mature believer? So they went beyond their own church and studied about a thousand other churches, just over a thousand other churches, tens of thousands of church members. And they started studying all these people, reaching out all over. They kind of ran this. And it ended up becoming a book called Move, what 1,000 churches tell us about, uh, what is it exactly? What 1,000 churches tell us about spiritual growth. Um, I'm going to help you out. You're welcome to read the book. Go get it yourself. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to help you out because I read the whole book and it's pretty big and it's boring as all get out. It is a ton of research, a ton of data to get to one point. Right? You ever read a book like that? Like it's like, I, like a paragraph would have summed it up. I trust you, right? But they got to show all the background stuff. And so they studied all these churches, over a thousand churches, and they said, what is one common denominator of spiritual growth? What is one keystone habit? And what they found is that reading your Bible is the number one habit for spiritual growth and spiritual formation. I wish I could tell you something that was like sexy, something you'd never heard before, and you're like, pow, amazing pastor, what great revelation you have. I wish I could tell you something like that, but it's really this simple. If you start reading your Bible, all of a sudden it starts a domino effect where you start walking out the truth, you start living for Christ a lot better, you start living holier, and volunteering is good, but that's not the keystone habit, and giving is good, but that's not the keystone habit, and small group attendance, and prayer, and all these things are good, but if you will simply start reading your Bible, you volunteer more. If you start reading your Bible, you'll pray more. If you start reading your Bible, you'll find God uses you more. It all hinges on this one simple thing that you've probably heard your entire life. Just read the Bible. And we end up with very immature, not disciplined Christians when we don't teach you to read the Bible. Now, I'll take my, my fair share due uh, of this because we focus in the church world, and our church is guilty of this too, on small groups, and we focus on this and that, and, and even devotions, which oftentimes use one verse from the Bible and then spend you know, three paragraphs explaining it and, and telling a story instead of just reading the good old-fashioned Bible, right? And, and, and we don't do a very good job of actually enticing it into you and pushing you to do it. But it really is the one habit that changes everything, it really will, if you'll step into what we're trying to do this new season, change where you are by this time next year. You will not be the same person spiritually because you're going to create these new habits. Now, the number one thing that I hear anytime you say, we got to read our Bible, is I don't have time. I just want to be real obvious and real honest with you. That is lame, and get that out of your mind. You have time for things that matter to you. If you really believe, if you're with me, and the science and research shows this, that this one habit can change everything else, you need to make time for this one habit. I'm reminded that one of my heroes, uh, Bobby Bowden, the, the legendary coach of Florida State, uh, Bobby Bowden, his entire adult life, read his Bible every single morning. I promise you, you are not busier than Bobby Bowden in the middle of his college football career. But he found time every morning to read his Bible, which was probably part of the secret to his success behind the scenes that you didn't see on the football field. And so reading your Bible makes all the difference. And so what are we doing? As we step into 2021, starting January 1st, we are challenging you for the month of January to read your Bible every day. 
Now, you can go there right now if you want to. I don't care if you do it during the middle of the message. That's all fine. Uh, but on the Church Center app, which you should have all downloaded by now a long time ago, on the Church Center app, you'll find right there under events uh, where you can sign up for the Bible reading plan. If you want to do it as a church body and everybody read the same thing together, jump onto that. There'll be some Facebook things and social media things uh, where we kind of highlight that. Uh, you can also pull out the good old-fashioned leather-bound Bible and read it. I'm more of that kind of person because I want to underline it and take notes and go back to it for sermons and things. Uh, you can do that. But I'm challenging you, starting January 1st, to read the Bible every day. Now, if you follow the plan that's on the screens and that you can download through the Version Bible app, you will actually read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice at the end of this year. That's pretty impressive. Let me help you out, though. If you think in those terms, you'll get lost. So don't think, I'm reading through the whole New Testament twice and the whole Old Testament once, and I'm going to read all this. Don't go there. Just go January 1st. Just January 1st. Don't worry about January 5th. January 1st. January 1st, I'm going to start reading my Bible. You can start today, for that matter, but you know what I mean. As a group, January 1st, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Don't fret. Then January 2nd, I'm going to read my Bible. We're going to put out some more information about this and some more healthy steps towards this. But don't get overwhelmed with the length. Just focus on today. Listen, if you want to run a marathon, you don't get out to go run a marathon. You get out of your house and go tie up your shoes and run to the mailbox. That's where it starts at. Come on. That's where it starts at. Focus on January 1st, and then you'll get to January 2nd and 3rd and beyond. So you focus on the small habits and creating the habit, not the big picture. That's where we get lost so oftentimes. Are you all with me? All right, so that's, that's coming up here this year. You'll hear a little bit more about this kind of stuff next week in the State of the Church Address. But January 1st, we start this Bible reading plan together. Uh, I want everybody to do it, like, like unashamedly, like buy into this. Let's do this. Um, this. This particular one is one that would last more than the month of January. It should last the whole year. But at least for the month of January, just be committed. Uh, you know, they say, whoever they are, nobody ever knows who they are, but they say, they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. I've heard that for years, 21 days to create a habit. So if you do something over and over for 21 days, it creates a habit. Well, if you do something for 31 days in January, our belief is it'll create a habit that leads into February and March and, and beyond. But the big focus is just start small. It's January 1st. Are you with me? It can change everything. Okay. And then the third and last point, uh, quickly, strong disciplines end up carrying us through hard times. Strong disciplines carry us through hard times. So what do you mean, Pastor Brent? Um, you really see this really well in the military. The, inside the military, from the moment you go into to boot camp and basic training, and I'm speaking from an outsider, I'm not a military person, all the military reason, just respect my outside perspective. But from the moment you go into boot camp and basic training, they start preparing you by creating new habits or disciplines. You eat quickly. You, you get out of bed at a certain time. You're moving quickly. When somebody says, come here, you come quickly. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You, you move quickly. You make those decisions really quickly. You start doing things that probably seem foolish in a moment, like taking your gun apart and putting it back together. And sometimes, you know, even blindfolded, you take your gun apart and put it back together. And, and different disciplines that start getting instilled with you really, really quickly. Do you know why we have those disciplines instilled in us in the military? Because when chaos starts ensuing... When bullets start flying, when, when, when the norm is thrown out of the window and all hell starts coming down on you and raining down on you, you will always fall back to your disciplines. You will fall back to your habits. 
So if you are in a bunker and, and the enemy is shooting all around you, you can freeze up and tighten up and freak out, which is what we would naturally do, or you fall into a discipline that you've been trained over and over a habit to do, right? We live in a world where Christians are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Because we see things that are happening around us, and Christians have not been disciplined very well to know how to respond. Are y'all with me? And so because we haven't been disciplined to know how we respond, we end up responding just like everybody else in the world and losing our minds and running around like chickens with our head cut off, like chicken little, acting like the world's ending, like it's all messed. And instead of falling into Christ, instead of falling into disciplines that we should have already created, we end up looking just like everybody else. We end up living in fear. Where, where Paul told Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But we end up living in a spirit of fear because when chaos ensues and when everything's crazy around us, we act just like everybody else. I believe the reason for that is because we haven't been spiritually disciplined. So we live in a spirit of fear because of death and COVID. You do realize there's a 100% chance you're going to die if you're in this room. Could be today, could be in 50 years. I don't know, but you're going to go. Christians have the answer. The great vaccine to the spirit of death was born in a manger just over 2,000 years ago. Jesus conquered death. We should not fear death. It's not like we run around looking forward to it and, and trying to be crazy, but we, don't, we, we should be different, but we're not because we haven't formed the spiritual disciplines in our life. So when COVID comes at us, we lose our minds just like the world does. And by the way, of course the world loses their minds at COVID and a fear of death because the gospel hasn't reached them yet. They should be fearing death. I'd be fearing death if I wasn't saved. Therefore, we need to be a city on a hill in a moment like that. And the way we do it is through spiritual disciplines. Once again, put yourself in a bunker and all of a sudden the bullets are flying all around you. Some people may freeze up, but there's others who will charge up and they'll run up into the right moments and do the right things. And they will give courage to others who will follow them. In the middle of our chaotic and crazy world, Christians are called to rise up like a city on a hill, like a lighthouse inside the community. We are called to rise up that way. And as we do it, we will stand out and others will follow our example. But it happens because we have these spiritual disciplines. And people are walking in fear of the future because of all the politics and all the things going on inside of our land. Listen, don't walk in fear of the future. The same God who had the future 10 years ago and 100 years ago and 500 years ago still holds the future in his hand. You don't need to fear. The problem is we watch more news than we spend inside the word of God. So we're more informed by this culture. We're more informed and formed, formed by this culture than we are by Christ. So therefore, we act like everybody else. God holds it all. We have fear of financial loss, but God owns it all. We don't need to fear financial loss and everything going on. God still owns it all, and he divvies up as he pleases. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And anxiety becomes rampant in our society because we haven't learned how to lean into the comforter, the Holy Spirit in the middle of these moments. What am I saying? I believe this. I don't want this to cause fear. I want you to, to not walk in fear, but, but we also have to look at the world the way it is. America is walking into difficult times. Don't let that cause you to be fear. I'm not fearful. You don't need to be fearful. 
But just open your eyes to where America is. We're walking into scary times. And I believe it's going to get a lot worse. Now, I'm not saying next month or whatever. I'm just saying, look at where we're going. And I believe there's coming a day where Christians will face a persecution that's at a level like we have never seen in the United States. I think it starts on one-on-one. -on -one. It's the very glimmers of those things now, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. In the middle of those moments where it seems chaotic and crazy and everything's coming at us, will we be able to stand? Will we be able to stand for what we believe, or will we be blown over? Will we be like a tree planted by streams of living water, or will we be like a reed that's just swayed back and forth? The difference is our disciplines. Are we disciplined to withstand what's coming? That's why, see, there's a method to our crazy madness. 2021, and I believe probably beyond that, but 2021, we're focused on creating disciplines in our church so that whenever these things come at us, we're prepared. We're already ready. That's, that's, that's where we are, why we are, where we are. Stand up with me if you would. <coughs> As a church body, again, I know this is such a different message than usual, but, but as a church body, we have to become both self-disciplined and spirit-disciplined. Um, I've heard different preachers say, we don't need to be self-disciplined, we need to be spirit-disciplined. And I think that preaches really well. But I don't think you can be spirit-disciplined without being self-disciplined because you are, you are a trinity. You are body, soul, and mind, and, and you are complicated. And I actually think the two go hand in hand. And if you're going to be spirit-disciplined, you're going to have to be self-disciplined. And if you're going to be self-disciplined, you're going to have to be spirit-disciplined as a believer. The two go hand-in-hand. Hand. So, so we don't need to, to hyper-spiritualize this thing. But as we go into 2021, we have got to be people who are more disciplined. And I and our staff and our teams invite you on this journey with us in 2021. Can you imagine what it would look like as a church in one year from now as we become more spiritual, spiritually disciplined. Can you imagine what it would look like? Think about, um, back to the military example. If you're going to have the big guns, everybody gets some guns in the military, but if you're going to have the big guns, if you're going to run tanks or, or you know, fighter jets, you've got to have a special level of discipline and training that not everybody else has. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if God has great gifts for you that it's up for you to be disciplined in to receive the fullness of that gift. So what do you mean? What if God has used you to prophesy here or there, but he actually wants to use you to prophesy much greater ways, but we have to discipline ourselves to get there. What if, what if God has used you to pray for people when they've been healed, but it's kind of been kind of spotty. It's here or there and occasionally. What if God wants to use you in those kind of gifts a lot more often, but we have to be disciplined in our giftings in order to step into that? What if God has a great destiny and calling and gifts for us, but just like not everybody drives a tank or an F-16, we have to be disciplined in order to receive the fullness of those gifts. And we've been playing around with little shallow things when God wants to give us big things that only come through good, old-fashioned discipline, which nobody likes, and it's not sexy, and it's not fun, but it still works. Still works. So what spiritual disciplines do you need to form in your life? Somebody's like, well, I fast every January. Keep fasting. Well, we're going to do it as a church in February, but you can fast in January too. 
We're just focused on Bible reading first. Well, I'm a prayer warrior. Keep praying, but focus on the Bible first. Keep those other disciplines, but let's focus on these ones in 2021. And I believe we're going to be much stronger on the other side of it. Amen. I'm going to invite up our prayer team. For all the rest of us, I think there's keystone habits, but there's also what you might refer to as keystone moments. Uh, these are paradigm shifting moments, the moments where everything changes, the moments where all of a sudden like, like, like it's, a, it's, it's a domino effect and you understand one thing and it changes everything. Keystone moments, keystone paradigm shifting moments. The greatest keystone moment in your life for every person, I, I know when you met your wife, it was the greatest moment or you met your husband. The greatest keystone moment in your life will be the moment you surrender your life to Christ. That is the one moment that will change every moment after it. And as great as it was to meet your spouse or to have your child or whatever, the keystone moment that changes everything forever is the moment you surrender to Christ. Some of you in this room, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Others of you, you used to walk with Christ and life kind of happened and you've wandered away from Christ. And this morning for both of you is an opportunity to come to Christ or to come back to Christ and rededicate yourself to him. Say, God, I give you my life all over again. So I want to pray with you and then we're going to spend just a few moments at the altar. But if, if you're in this room, would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes for one second? If you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to surrender over to him. I want this keystone moment in my life. If that's you in this room, I'm not going to belabor the moment or embarrass you, but I want to pray over you. If that's you in this room, would you just stick your hand up and wave it at me so I can pray with you? Amen. 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 Come on around this room, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. And from this day forward, I surrender my life completely to you. Make me new and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love how God uses the most unusual messages to create new life in people. Yeah. Holy Spirit's beautiful like that. If you just gave your life to Christ, make sure you see somebody. Uh, if somebody brought you to church, make sure you see them and tell them, come on up front in a second when other people come up and, and we'd love to pray with you and agree with you and uh, come see me or one of the other pastors and we'd love to pray with you. As well as text, two one, text Jesus to 21777. And, uh, and we have a 21-day devotional we'd love to send you every day as you kind of walk on that journey. Hey, we're going to close. And if you want special prayer for anything, we want to invite you up out of your seats for a moment. Uh, we will not have communion this morning, but if you want special prayer, we invite you out of your seats. If you just gave your life to Christ, if you want prayer for anything this morning, just, just the blessing of God in 2021 or in your marriage or your finances, or you just want somebody to agree with you and maybe you need healing. I don't know. Anything you may need this morning, we want to pray with you. We're going to sing one last worship song. And during that song, we invite you out of your seats to come on up front and we want to pray with you. And then I think it's Pastor Ken will close us out in just a few moments. Jesus, I pray that you draw all people that you are calling this morning. Lord, I pray that as we step into 2021, that we are people of discipline. People that are going to be willing to follow you when it's hard. People that are going to be disciplined so that when life throws chaos and curveballs at us, we are able to handle it. Lord, breathe on us this morning. Let your spirit have his way. In Jesus' name.
Come on, if you want a special prayer, come on up front. Otherwise, let's worship the Lord for just a moment. Hey guys, wasn't that such an amazing message? If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to follow our podcast. Also, make sure to share this with your friends on social media and use the hashtag MyAriseChurch. For more information or to give to this ministry, go to MyAriseChurch.com. I hope to see you guys soon.